the most common reason why people screw up their sales is because they're not actually listening to the prospect. They're just trying to figure out what they're going to say next. And so if you can like release yourself of that, like you have to know the intent, like understanding the what, the why and the how behind the questions that kind of allows you to kind of really be good at sales. Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, and today I got to interview Matt Ryder, who is the CEO of 7th Level Sales. So 7th Level is the number one B2C sales training, coaching company in North America, and we just go through all kinds of sales level tactics, strategies, things that you should avoid when you're on a call with a prospect going through a sales process. And then at the end, we do some actual role play where I give them a hypothetical situation and then we have a live sales conversation so you could see how their methodology, their approach in action and and actually just experience it, uh, which is something that I was really grateful uh, happened. So definitely make sure you stick around for that. Stick around at the end of the episode. I'll give you my number one takeaway from my conversation with Matt. But here it is. Let's dive in. Matt, super pumped to have you on the Honest Marketing Podcast and picking your brain so I can be a better, better salesperson. And then, you know, as a byproduct, anyone listening would also become a better salesperson. I will do my best. <laughs> I have no doubt. I will try not to bitterly disappoint. Yeah, yeah. That's what I told my wife on our wedding day. So it's a good word there. Uh, so just set the bar low. Yeah. So, so just let's set a little bit of context. Uh, talk about your background in sales. Uh, talk about sales cyber. Talk about seventh level. But really, just uh, a little bit of background on you and and what your focus is and what your expertise is in. Yeah, for sure, man. So uh, I was in the military. Um, sort of before before anything and i think that's where i learned a lot of you know how to learn and uh like how to break things down i think you know uh, the military is brilliant at teaching complex systems to um to to morons basically you know if you boil it down to it, like that's what the system is designed to do it's designed to teach simple people complex things right there's not only simple people there but you know you have to like they have to have one system for everything right and so, um, so, uh, you know, I went into this infantryman, then went special operations, then became a sniper. Then from there, I got out and then went into fitness because that's kind of the requirement. You either go into police or fitness. That's all you're allowed to do. Um, and then, uh, and then from there, sort of like wasn't very good at sales, never really thought about it. Um, but I realized pretty quickly that like even th- there were really good trainers who had no clients and there were what I would consider to be pretty average trainers that were really full. And I, I would have preferred to be full than not. And so I did all this stuff to become a good trainer. But then I was like, oh, it doesn't really help me get clients. And so what I did is I sort of started working more on, you know, how do I get clients? How do I market? How do I sell and stuff like that? And then, uh, you know, became quite full in that respect. And I think personal training and fitness is a phenomenal uh, like stepping off point to sales and you become like an accidental salesperson, which I think is most people in sales. Like no one like raises their hand as a kid and is like, I want to be a sales rep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know, they get thrown tomatoes at their face and stuff like that in school. Um, and so, um, you know, people fall into sales is, is usually how it goes. And so, you know, I sort of just ended up being kind of a salesperson. Then, you know, I ended up with business partners and we ended up opening up a fair few gyms and my my role was really to to ensure that they opened effectively and so i would i would come in and i would be the sales force um to try and open the gyms and so i ended up being on the phones basically full time for years and never once considered myself a salesperson ever um but then realized that all i did was sales like probably 7 years after or 5 years after doing it full time and uh in, you know i i was always looking for ways to 
you know, make things easier for myself. And so the way that I did that was by pretty being like tracking data and the way that I was taught, you know, in sniper school, you know, you track your data and then you have all your scenarios and, you know, you know, north facing, south facing, high elevation, low elevation, high humidity, low humidity, cold barrel, warm barrel, et cetera, right? Like, you know how to do it all. So like, if you don't, you know, very good at your job. So I was like, okay, well, let's take the same mentality and then started just whittling away at things. Then from there, kind of progressed that through, you know, into different genres, really. And then, um, and then I started learning a better way to sell, right? Um, using NEPQ. Um, and, and, and that sort of took all the things that I had learned over 10 years of selling the wrong way, but effectively, right? Because I had sort of systemized myself into being effective. You know what I mean, uh, and 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 then and then and I was a bit of a blow at the gate when it came to it, the conversation style, and then when I learned a better way, I became very very effective. Like I became a highly uh, paid and proficient and and sort of um, skilled salesperson, and then you know navigated that through all different things. But now I sort of have sold. I've sold a lot of stuff, and I've been selling, you know, full time you know, essentially besides sort of like business owner stuff for a while. Um, and I love it, mate. It's a it's a phenomenal uh, skill set to have. It, it sort of it, it gives you the confidence that eh, it doesn't matter what happens, I'll figure it out. You know, I'm pretty confident if everything fell apart tomorrow, I could just walk into Oracle and be their top salesperson. So I feel like <laughs> within uh, within a couple of weeks, I'll be earning just as much money as what I am right now. You know what I mean? So um, it's just a great skill set. I love sales. I think that there's this terrible stigma about it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that comes from most people who are, uh, you know, the figureheads of the sales world. Like, I think that, you know, they just drink their own Kool-Aid, man. And uh, have never done anything particularly difficult in life. And they have never had their egos checked. But, you know, I come from a background where it doesn't really work like that. Uh, being in the special operations community, none of my friends are going to let me get as arrogant as what I'd like to be, considering my skill set. No. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so... I think like, like, you know, those, those are the people that's sort of the, you know, the, like the symptom of, you know, the salesperson having a bad, a bad rap, you know what I mean? And so, um, there's, there's a better way to do it. You don't have to be a sleaze bag. And, uh, I think sales is a phenomenal skill set to try and uh, attain. That's sort of, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think sales is like one of the few skills that you could use really in any industry, any business type, any business model. And even applies to just interpersonal relationships. It's like once Absolutely. you learn how to actively listen and then start mirroring and then connect the dots to how to help them overcome the problems they're voicing and being a part of that solution. Like that's just something that's universally applicable. And you are right that there is like this negative stigma associated with like the used car salesman trying to sell you a lemon. You know, it's not about yeah. you. It's about them and their own self-interest. Um, yeah. I think mean, it comes and, from, you know, the way salespeople are paid, they're paid on commission, so they obviously want you to make the sale. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, because of that, the people who have been attractive to salespeople are people that, you know, uh, embody that, like, do this to make a ton of commission type stuff. And so um, I've always tried to be super transparent and forthright with the fact that, like, sales is not easy, but everyone can do it. Um and, you know, th there's also more than one way to skin the cat when it comes to being um, like a good sales rep. There's, you know, like a, like I was, I think I was a low skilled yet highly effective rep for a long time. And then, you know, uh, through a series of processes and activities and systemization, then from there, it was able to learn a better way to sell um, that worked with my brain really well. 
You know what I mean? There's a system to it. It's like, ah, I can make sense of this. And then once you learn the system, it's like, okay, I can, I can start to translate that into a lot of different fronts, you know, like even like with my kids. Right. So like my, you know, it was my daughter's fifth birthday a little while ago. And we're at the birthday party and my son, he's, he's almost eight. He's running around like a psychopath, you know, doing eight year old boy things and just trying to ruin everything. Right. And so, and I, and I went to, him, I said, Hey, hey like, I was like, Hey man, um, you know, um, seems like you're, you're kind of trying to ruin summer's party and he goes oh you know and i was like well i was like right you can do what you want but at the end of the day like i'm just a bit con- concerned for you he's like why i was like well you're teaching your sister that that's what she should do right so like what happens if at your birthday party she does the same things you're doing like what happens then he's like oh why do i want to ruin my party I said why not well because it's my party i want to have fun i was like but how is she not going to ruin your party if you ruin hers and that's what you teach her He's like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I was like, so what are you going to do? He's like, oh, I'll stop. He's like, why? He's like this. And I was like, okay, that's a good decision, buddy. You know, so it's like, you just take him through like a little loop. It's like, okay, cool. You know, and like, and, and that's, that's sort of, that's like half of selling. It's just like, here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. How do we connect these dots? And if you take someone through the journey where they do the thinking and you're just posing the question, it's just a far more powerful way to do it. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a great great skill set when it comes to in, like interpersonal communications and you know I think like the more the the more I understand it and the more I'm able to control my uh, tone and control the way that I convey myself, I think the more the more effective I am as a communicator in general. Yeah, I want to dig into NAPQ um, because sure. there's all these different philosophies of sales or approaches to sales or how to frame questions, how to, you know, like the, I think about like the outsourced SDR, it's like, give me the sales script and I'll cold call a bunch of people and then give you leads. Like there's, there's like every variation of different approaches. Yeah. So what makes NAPQ different um, from the perspective, not just of outcome, like more favorable outcomes, more sales, mm-hmm. but then also that the interaction between the salesperson and the prospect is a lot healthier. I would just love to hear you kind of break it down. Yeah. So the thing that, that I like, you know, I can't, I can't, like I've done a lot of other sales trainings and stuff like that. And I think that everything is, um, everything done well by the right person is effective. Right. So, you know, like there's, there's no one way to skin the cat and I, I don't particularly care how people do things as long as it works and it's ethical. Right. You know, like there's no right way. Um, there's just ways that work. You know what I mean? And so, and that's one of the things I try and teach in the courses when we train people is like, Something is working very well. I'm not arrogant enough to tell you to fix it, right? But let's work around the other stuff. Let's fix the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so there's there's a way to implement stuff, right? Um, that people don't really realize, and a lot of people come in and they just like throw everything they're doing out and then just adapt our stuff. And I'm like, well, of course it didn't work. And that's why literally the first part of the course is me going, stop, do not implement all of this at once. You will get a worse result. Literally the first video, it's like everyone stop. I know you're excited and I'm very excited for you. However, if you're closing at 30%, chances are you probably shouldn't change a lot of what you're doing. We can just do slow and incremental changes that have a really net positive outcome. But the interesting that, and it, and it, the big difference between NEPQ and most of the things is that it's not industry specific. And there's a big, like, I think there's a big misconception. And it's because salespeople like, Really good salespeople, like really effective ones, will always tell you it doesn't matter what industry they're in, right? 
but mid-tier and below will always say it's their industry, right? But that's the same with anyone, right? Like, oh, it's the economy, it's the market, it's the, you know, oh, Facebook leads just don't work. It's like, well, really? Because I sell a ton of them, right? So, you know, um, so it's like, maybe not, um, you know, and so uh, it doesn't, it's not industry specific. And so we train everyone. And when I mean everyone, mate, my goodness, is a lot of people getting trained, right? Like I'm on, I'm on, like I, I do a lot of the more like high level team training stuff. So like if your business wants to get trained, I put together packages. They're not cheap. They're usually six figures and above, right? For like bespoke team training stuff. Cause I structure out the processes and everything, right? Basically do what your chief sales officer should have done. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, but it's like, I'm on, a, I'm on the call with a large insurance company and then I'm on with like a cleaning company and then I'm on the phone with a fitness company and then I'm on the phone with a business consultancy firm or lawyers, right? Um, and it's like I teach in the same method. There's just tweaks and tweaks to like wording or like really understand the problems. You know what I mean? But once you understand like the the method and the problem of the prospect, like it's easy. It's just the same conversation. Same as like it's the same conversation when you're talking to the CEO of a massive business or you're talking to Joe Bluck. It's actually an easier conversation when you're talking to the CEO. It's way easier than like doing a biz op sale, right? It's a much easier conversation, you know what I mean? Because it, there's more, it's just a more, um, it's just, just, it's just a better chat, to be honest. Doesn't mean the sale happens faster, but it's better. Um, and so people think that there's all these differences and it's like, mate, you're selling humans. The end of the day is the person across from you a human. Okay, cool. Then the style, like there, there might be slight variations in word choice or like tonal choices, but those are individual variations based on the person that you're speaking to. Like if I'm speaking to a real alpha type personality that talks a lot, like I just do slightly different things to get them on the track that I want them on. But I do the same script essentially, but like I'm just going to have a slight variation in what I allow them to do. And then I'll change my pacing and my tone a little bit, but the words stay pretty similar. Do you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, and if I'm talking to a board instead of, you know, what happens if, I'd said, have you considered what the possible ramifications would be if? Like, so I just make it a bit more professional speak, but it's the same question. You know what I mean? And so it's just slight variations. And that's where I think NEPQ is, is, is pretty interesting because like, you know, um, it's the first one that's gone, dude, your industry, it doesn't matter, mate. Like, it doesn't matter. And if you think it does, you're probably just not very good at sales. You know what I mean? But if you want to learn how to get better, this is how you can do it. And it's a system that you can follow, which covers the entirety of sales. Right? And so, like, that is that is a huge, and it's and you can script the entire thing. So, you can come to us and go, we have a cold calling division, a door knocking division, a warm inbound lead, a cold um, outbound lead, right? You know what I mean? And then from there, we take them into all these different services, and then we have back-end customer service and upsells. I'd be like, sweet, I can write those scripts. Easy. Right? So, it's like, and I can make it one big sales process, or I can make it into little chunky ones, or whatever, right? So, it's like, we can do that. And the reason why we can do that, one is because like we're quite good at sales in terms of that, but also we're at the point now where I have a vault of scripts that are proven from thousands of reps in hundreds of industries, right across all different economic, uh, you know, environments, um, 
B2C, B2B, business to government, enterprise level. Do you know what I mean? Fundraising. Like, um, and, and so, and, and, and now because we train them and we get the feedback from them, we get to learn more about it. And then we make tweaks and, and we update stuff based on what the feedback that we're getting from our clients. You know, if we're getting a lot of feedback, I'm like, well, this, this isn't, the you know, ah, okay, well, I wonder if we tried it this way. And then go test it. Let us know how it goes. Oh, that worked. Sweet. All right, cool. That becomes how we do it now. Right? So it's a constant evolving process, right? And so I think that, you know, the seventh level is going to be a very, very hard business to catch uh, in terms of that because now, like, it's sort of like Tesla, the auto drive, you know? Like, no one's going to beat them because they have the data, right? Like, no one's going to create a better auto drive system because no one has the data points Tesla has. If they can use Tesla's data points, they could make a better one, but they're not going to let them do that, right? <laughs> right? And so you might have like industry industry guys that do really well in their industry, but you know no one's going to take over that. You know, it's now the biggest sales training organization from B two C North America, right? Um, there's no one bigger, right? So you know it's an interesting uh, space to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm moving more into the enterprise level stuff at the moment. I'm sort of hanging my hat up in terms of running the show uh, for a bit because I don't think I'm the right guy to to, to, to do that. Um, you know, I'm more of a growth person. Um, if I hang around too long, I'll probably destroy it so I can grow it again, right? So, um, you know, I'm developing, <laughs> I'm developing yes. the more uh, uh, B2B enterprise government level sort of strategies to, you know, uh, do large deals like the uh, did like a million dollars worth of sales in December, and it was all sort of like seven six figure deals. You know what I mean? Like for enterprise level mm-hmm. stuff. Just testing all the waters for that. I'll build that department, and then I'll get that up to forty fifty million a year, and then I'll bounce out and do something else. Right? Like that seems like the fun thing to do. So, but yeah, was that yeah. is that sort of answer the question? I think so. I mean, so you know, I want to dig down into a couple specific follow ups. Uh, the first one being, you know, when you bring on a new industry or a new client or a new business and they're looking for help with developing the sales scripts, the sales flows, uh, what's kind of like your standard template you start with? Like here are the core elements that no matter what you're going to need, no matter what your inbound looks like or how you're getting leads, no matter what you're selling, these are the core things that every person needs in their sales process. Yeah, so it's really like the NEPQ sales process is broken down to what the buyer needs to um, go through in order to do a sale, right? Which is like, so it's connecting situation, problem awareness, solution awareness, uh, consequence questions, commitment questions, you transition and then present, right? So what it is, is like, the, like that's what the sales script will look like, you know what I mean? But that can be broken up into five calls. You might do connecting and situation questions. The next call, you might do this. The key is it's like it's a flow, right? And so you can do that in one call in 20 minutes, right? If you're selling like a $2,000 fitness thing, it's like boom, done, right? It's got to go through it though. You know what I mean? So it's just like you're just not going to sit and explore that much in any particular one, right? Or you might emphasize one more than the other, right? If you're in more of a B2B environment, like, you know, the way that I do it is like, cool, one, it's like 30 minutes and it's connecting situation, problem awareness, solution awareness, and consequence, basically. And then the call two is like a sort of a proposal, right? I walk them through what I'm thinking based on that. And then call three is sort of like close, right? So, um, and then we have like some some other guys that have much longer sales cycles or 
some people have much shorter, right? So, but the connecting questions are really about like, what are you here for? Like, how can I help? Right? Like, what's the overarching goal in which you're looking to attain? Um, and like, what is the context that you came to me? You know what I mean? And, and really it's designed to take the pressure or focus off me as a salesperson on you as the prospect. And it, you know, it can establish cadence and all that kind of stuff. There's a bunch of different ways to do that. Um, and there's simple ways that we teach and there's more advanced ways that we teach, right? You know what I mean? Depending on where you're at. Um, because the more advanced ways are more effective and much harder to pull off. So if you teach an advanced way to someone who's not advanced, it'll, it'll totally ruin it, right? Because the connecting phase is very important because it's sort of like that lure of subtension, right? Like if you are going to walk a thousand miles and you start three inches to the left, you know what I mean? By the, by the time, you know, mate, you're way off course. Right. So the connecting phase is very, very, okay, cool. What, like, what is that? Like, what are you here for? Then from there, you go into situation was like, what are you currently doing about the thing that you're here for? Right. Then from there, you go into problem awareness. What are the problems that you're seeing that are associated with the way that you're doing it to get you to the thing? So it just stacks on top. It's like, what's the problem? How long has it been a problem? What's causing the problem? What impact is the problem having? Right. And then you've got all kinds of different questions and tools in your tool belt that you can use in order to get the real problems. Right. You know, as people go, oh man, it's working pretty well. Go, hey man, that's awesome, dude. Sounds like it's going perfect. And, and no one, nothing's ever perfect. Right. So it's like, well, it's not perfect. Well, what do you mean not perfect? Right. Or they go, hey, it sounds like things are going pretty well. Is there anything you change about XYZ if you could? Like, well, you know, so you give a person an opportunity to kind of like, here's your opportunity to complain. People love complaining, you know, and so it's like, then they give you something, you go, okay, what do you mean by that? How long is that been going on for? How's that impacting the business? Oh, that makes sense. And then you start to get a bit of a better picture. Once you, once you do that, then, then, then you go into solution awareness, which is like, what is the ideal outcome that you're looking for? Because like that initial outcome that you're looking for, like you don't really get the right, the full picture early on. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, it's just very early in the conversation. So they're not going to give you the whole picture, which is fair enough. So you, you try and flesh that out a little bit, like try and get like a criteria of what it is they're looking for around that. And then from there, you get like tangible and emotional anchors, right? So, you know, let's just say you're talking to a large company and they have a high churn rate in their sales team. All right. I had this the other day. It's like, well, in, you know, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, what would it be like for the business though if you were able to reduce that churn and keep your reps and get that uptick that you're looking for? I say, oh, mate, we'd be able to get an extra 10, 15 million a year. I go, oh, and what would that do for the business? Well, we could do X and Y and Z. Oh, that makes sense. So, what's been stopping you from getting that now? Why, why is the churn rate so high? Well, we just don't have any training in place and this and this. Like, oh, okay. What happens if you guys don't get the training in place though and the churn rate keeps or it potentially even gets worse? What happens then? That's my consequence phase. Right. And then we explore failure. That's what drives the urgency to buy now. And then we do a commitment. It's like, well, you know, why not? Like, do you guys want to do this now? Like, why not just put this off until the next financial year, like you did last year? Well, you know, we thought about that and it, it's getting to the point now. You know what I mean? And like, they're, they'll open up, right? Cause you're just asking questions contextually and normally and using a tonality that's just genuinely curious, you know what I mean? Or concerned, you know? Uh, you know, you get the consequence, then you got the tension, you get the commitment, and then from there, you just say, well, I think that what we do might actually work for you. If you want, I can walk you through what we do and how we do it, and I think you can solve, solve, solve some of your problems. Like, would that would that help you out? Yeah, it would. Okay, we can do that. And then you just have a nice, short, and concise presentation. Long presentations are horrific, and everyone hates them, so I think everyone should just stop doing them. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's an APQ in a nutshell, really. Yeah, well, I mean, so what I love about that, especially because you know I've I've consumed a lot of sales material and training material is you know, and and then you know going through my own uh, temptations of like how I want sales calls to go. Uh, you know, the thing that I always hear is what's the listening to talking ratio of a salesperson? Like if you're on the call on average, how much are you talking versus how much are you listening? And the salespeople that I know that have been really successful, they basically just like queue up the person they're talking to with the right question and then let them go. And then like, okay, here's the next question. And then, and then now they feel like it's almost like they're, they're now in like a therapy session like talking about their business problem or whatever it is they're doing. Mm. And then you're just the the person that's guiding them through, like figuring out like how to deal with this problem. And then you happen to also have the solution. It, it you know, that's where, you know, sales becomes fun because it's not, okay, I have to always be closing like that kind of like hardcore mindset, like whatever you got to do, get the sale no matter what. And it becomes, becomes much more personable. And, uh, and then also like, you developed good report through the sales process. So that's now the starting point in the business relationship. Yeah. Where you didn't get them through the door with high pressure to then they're like second guessing, did I make the right choice? Did I choose the right person, the right company? Now I'm doubting if this is really good for me or if I just said yes, because they were really persuasive, you know? So like just getting the deal isn't enough. Like you want them to be there for the right reasons with the right set of expectations and mindset to then have a successful business relationship after the sale. Yeah. I chronically undersell everything like enormously undersell. I basically don't tell anyone anything they're getting. Um, I'm very, very aloof with my presentations. Like they're very bare bones because like I would rather, you know, get the buying on the outcome. You know what I mean? And like, that's what we're working towards. And then I put it together, but I'd rather the person be quite surprised with everything they get. So like if I'm delivering them 10 things, I'll tell them about five. You know what I mean? And I sell them on the five. And then when they get to 10, they're happy as Larry. You know what I mean? But I haven't had someone refund for a very long time because like I don't I don't have to sell anything in a way that's crappy. You know what I mean? I used to have like a 20% refund rate back in the day, but it's because I just bullied people into buying. It was just a very unnuanced way of doing it. And I, I find that like, you know, I think one of the issues is with a lot of sales trainers is they haven't actually sold that much. Like they haven't actually been sales reps in many industries. Like if you've been a sales rep in one industry, you shouldn't be a sales coach. Um, like coaching is, is a, is a also just cause you were good. Doesn't mean you should coach either. And just cause you weren't good. Doesn't mean you shouldn't coach either. To be honest, like, you know, like an Olympic powerlifting coach doesn't have to be a champion powerlifter. You just have to understand it. I actually, it's, it's funny, right? Like one of our, one of our best coaches, was a, he's a great salesperson, but he just doesn't like it. He just doesn't like it. He doesn't like selling, but he loves sales coaching. It's a funny thing. When he's, he's phenomenal. It's actually the hardest thing about running a sales coaching company is finding sales coaches because good sales coaches are usually good at sales. You know what I mean? Um, and so like they're really expensive. So you have to find people who are good at sales but don't want to sell. It's like the Jerry Seinfeld. I choose not to run, right? Um, you know, and so, you know, and then they start coaching people and those people get awesome results and make a lot of money and they want to get back into sales, right? So that's like the cycle. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like, you know, coach, coaching is something that like, you know, I'm, I think I'm particularly good at. I think it's, I think I'm very good at it because like I've done a lot of coaching and I've, I've broken down things and I'm, I'm, I'm disciplined enough to not give people all the answers they want. 
because I just, I don't, I mean, I'm just, I don't care what people think of me. So if someone says, I want these three answers, like, oh, I'm only giving you one of them. And it's because like, I just feel like I will, I will give them the answer they need. Like I'm not there to be their friend. And so I don't just answer questions and I don't answer questions without context. Like if you can't give me context, I, I'll, I'll just be like, man, I'm not answering your question. Like, because I'm just going to be answering it because you asked it and I don't actually know all the answers. I don't know enough about it. You know, the guy goes, hey, can you go through my funnel? I go, why? To give me some feedback. I go, what do you mean? I'm not your fucking avatar. What do you, what? I'm sorry. I'm not your, I'm not your client avatar. Like what feedback am I going to give you that's going to be useful? All I'm going to do is give you the feedback of me who runs different companies than what you have. Like, I don't know what possible input I could give you. If you give me like, can you go through my funnel to have a look at this in particular to see what that would trigger from a sales, that I can give you. But just go, can you have a look at my funnel and give me feedback? I'd be like, what a useless bit of information I could give you. It'll be worthless information. Like, why do you want it? I'll do it for you, but it's worthless. You know, and so, you know, and so, you know, people people come to me with like, hey, can you teach me how to handle this objection? I'm like, I mean, I could, but what a waste of time. Like, why are you getting that? That's a weird objection to get. You get that a lot? No, I just got it once last week. Then why are you worrying about it? Why are you wasting your time on something you got once? Did it hurt your feelings? Is that what happened? Like, what are, like, what are, like, what, like, what are we talking about here? You know, and so, like, you know, and then if I give you three things to change and you do all three and you get a good result, which one was it? I don't know. And then so it's like, I'll give you one thing to change. But I want more. I don't care what you want. <laughs> but it's like, man, you joined <laughs> me. I didn't join you. You know what I mean? Like, it's not how this mm -hmm. works. I tell you what you need. I'm your coach. Beat it. If you haven't experienced a lot of, uh, a lot of different, you know, industries and stuff like that, and you haven't sort of gotten your feet wet in, in like, in, in like a lot of them, I think it becomes very hard to coach. And if you're very married as well to like a particular way of doing things, I think that you're, everything that you tell people is, is very skewed. And so, like, for me, like, I just want people to succeed. And if that means that they do a little bit of what I say and what somebody else says, like, I don't care. I'll be very clear. I couldn't care less. Just do what works, right? If you uh, get on the phone and scream like a Wookiee and close at 50% and your clients are happy, man, go scream like a Wookiee. Like, what do I care, right? Um, you know, but, like, you know, and let's just make small and targeted changes and, like, that's actually the most difficult thing. Like, when I come into a company, I have to do all the change management stuff because, like, their leadership wants me just to put everything in straight away. And I go, no. Like, if I do that, you're going to fire me in 30 days because it's going to be, like, a drop because even if it's better, just because it's new, you're going to do it worse. So I have to, like, drip feed this in a way that makes sense. Like, if you don't want me to do that, I'm just not going to do it. It's fine. But like, don't tell me how to do my job. Yeah, eh? like, <laughs> like you do it my way or we don't do it. That's kind of how it works. So which is a cool position to be yeah. in. Like, I like that. Um, but, you know, like sales coaching is a very, it's a very tricky game because you can really screw some things up um, if you if you get too bulletigate about it. And there's there's an inherent arrogance, I think, in salespeople or like, you know, um, and I think that when people start making money, it tends to exacerbate that a little bit. And so... I think that, you know, generally speaking, some of the problems with the industry is that people just are, are so arrogant that they just make people do things in their way and call them stupid if they don't, which is obviously ridiculous. Um, and who cares um, what people say? I mean, like, sheesh. Like, if we're going to take sides over the way that someone conducts themselves on a sales call, 
Like that's a level of tribalism that I just can't buy into. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, who cares, guys? Like, what are we doing? Here? Like, it's that is not a religion. We don't have to fight. It's so dumb. I laugh. Like, I see people going like, oh my goodness. NEPQ. It's like, oh my God, guys, just take it easy. Like every, everyone, everyone's fine. It'll, it'll be, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is fun. So I know that you've personally trained a lot of salespeople. Your organization trains a lot of salespeople. You work with a lot of companies. What, what are like the, the top bad habits that you see in sales organizations and salespeople that is like, okay, these are the things we need to untrain first before we can start building back up the right habits. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is assumptive language, right? That's a bad habit that I think everyone can get rid of. I think it's just a net positive all around. Um, and, and like, you know, and, and pe- people say like, oh, you lose the frame and mate, don't worry about the frame. It's an illusion anyway. You know, if you think you have control over the situation, you just, you just, you just want control, but you don't have any. So don't worry about it. Um, like, what are you going to make them buy? You think that by setting up at the beginning, hey, at the end, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. It can be a yes, no, but it can't be a maybe. Of course, it could be a maybe. <laughs> like, of course, mm-hmm. you have no control over that person. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. It's funny to me. Anyway, but um, but yeah, I think it's something of language like, hey, we're looking forward to finding the best, you know, marketing product for you. Hey, I'm looking forward to having a conversation so I, so I can show you the best, you know, we're the best at this or just very assumptive. Like, hey, it looks like you're on the calls so that you can get more sales, right? It's like, maybe it's just assumptive, you know? And I, and I think like, I think that when you look at things in terms of real truth, you realize that none of that stuff is, it matters anyway, because like, it, like if we're having a conversation, um, like with my, about my hand, right? We can have a chat about my hand. Like, what do you see? I'm going to have a chat about it. Yeah. I just see the palm. I see what I can see. Exactly. So if, if I don't, if none of us clarify, what side of the hand we're looking at, right? Like I ask this to salespeople, I go, hey, let's have a discussion about my hand. Like, what do you see? And they go, I see this, and I see a line, and I see this, and I go, and if I'm wearing a watch, I'll go like, what time is it on my watch? They go, I don't know. And I go, well, I can see it. Why can't you? I go, ah, you never asked what side I was looking at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like we're having different conversations, but we're talking about the same thing. You know what I mean? But there was mm-hmm. no, there's like this veil of like, a, you know, and, and so I think like assumptive language is like, you're just assuming that you can provide what you can provide the best. You're assuming that they want something. So it's like, you know, you could just neutrify that really simply by, Hey, let's say you booked on the call about po- like possibly getting, getting more sales. Is that right? Right. And then it's like, I'm asking the question because maybe they go, well, no, we're actually wanting you know what I mean? Like to increase our AOV. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. And so now it's like we're getting clarity, you know, and you can make, I would make it more neutral than that again, but you know what I mean? Um, and, and just, you know, get a bit, bit more vague with it, but, um, you know, that's a really bad habit. Um, and you can do that throughout the entire process, right? Even at the end, like when I, when I do my pitch, I go, it looks like what we do might actually, it might actually work for you. Right. That's as, that's as assumptive as I'll get, even at the pitch. Right. Because like, I just want to keep that sales resistance down. Like, I don't want them to feel like they're in a sales process until the very, very end when it's like I'm presenting my offer. Now it's like, I can't, I can't, I've, I've broken the veil at that point. Right. So, um, you know, but 
that's a really bad one. Uh, I think the the like the other one is as well is uh, not using scripts. I think like people think scripts are bad, but then they'll happily go and watch a movie. <laughs> like, right. Everyone sounds terrible when they're scripted, except all those people that don't. You know, like there's there's all those people yeah. too. They just and again, they just have a bad taste in their mouth from telemarketers, right? So scripts are like a good script will set you free. And it doesn't mean that you follow it word for word. However, it should be pretty close. And the better you get, the closer you are to it, right? Because the better you get at keeping people on track, right? And it's a phenomenal way of, of keeping yourself on point and, and walking down a particular pathway and keeping the conversation going. Because most people, the most common reason why people um, screw up their sales is because they're not actually listening to the prospect. They're just uh, trying to figure out what they're going to say next. And so if you can like release yourself of that and just know that like your script and yet like you have to know the intent, like people just think, oh, it's just words. Like, no, it's the intent of the question because then you can just like manipulate the question a little bit to get a more specific answer or whatever. But it's like, it's the intent of it. You know what I mean? It's like, I can ask that question in four different ways and I can manipulate that question to to give me different answers and I can emphasize different things. And so it's like, um, you know, so, so. You know, it's like it's understanding the what, the why, and the how behind the questions that kind of allows you to kind of, you know, really be good at sales. But, you know, uh, it just allows you to kind of chill out and you can have your script up next to you. And then if you're talking to the person and you just glance over, you know what your next question is. You're like, sweet. Right. And so you can listen, listen, listen. You hear what you need to hear and then you go, okay, that makes sense. And you go to your next question. Right. And so. And that, and that, that generally speaking stops it from getting off track because salespeople have a bad habit of, of being able to, they conflate interesting and productive, right? Like, uh, like, 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 mar- like, let's say I sell marketing services, right? It's a really common one. And they go, what are you doing? Um, like, let's just say like, you're gonna, you're, you're there to get them more leads. Now, does what they do for lead generation right now actually matter? Does it change your pitch? No. no. Then why are we talking about it? <laughs> right. Right? Like, it's it's irrelevant to the conversation. And so, like, it's interesting it ultimately unproductive. So if I'm selling it and I go, okay, so, you know, they're going to get, okay, more leads. Okay, cool. Like, what are you doing to get more leads now? Well, we're doing this and this and this, and they go on a tangent. I go, oh, no, I'm sorry. So that's what you're currently doing to get, like, like what are you doing to get the, the increased lead flow? Right. Oh, okay. Ah, that makes sense. Right. What makes you think you need more leads anyway? Right. Let's, let's solve the problem. Like, what are you really looking for? Right. I don't care about your current marketing strategies. It doesn't affect me at all. I'm going to do my own. It's the whole point. It's why we're on the call. So what do I care what you're doing? Hey, tell me all the, the things that you're doing that aren't working so I can avoid them. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And so like, it's irrelevant. Like if someone, like, I don't care about someone's sales process. Right. Hey, tell me about your sales process now. Why? I don't care. Doesn't affect me. Doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to know what they're doing to get better at sales. That's what they're here to do, get better. I don't really, it doesn't really affect me. It's not going to change what I give them. Right? Oh, you're doing that for your sales? Oh, well, I, I'm sorry, man. I can't help you. <laughs> right you know and so like it's interesting it ultimately unproductive doesn't drive the sale forward and just blows the call out you know so unless i'm yeah, selling them definitely. a sales process change then i'm 
probably want to know about it like a little bit so i can you know mm-hmm. like like make that can help me steer the conversation right so again like you know mm-hmm. if you're assumptive and then al- allowing you know if you're off a script and you're just like asking a, a series of kind of questions or whatever that's kind of in your head and you have no real formula like way of doing it then like you're gonna get drawn into rabbit holes right and, and it's just fluff and time and like if you're having hour-long sales calls i mean i don't know what you're selling but like hour and nine minutes <laughs> it's crazy right, you're making a friend yeah like man, like all my calls are thirty minutes, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean everyone can do that, but like I just don't. We're not. I'm not having a chat. <laughs> yeah, there's there's an actual intent to the reason you're being there. It's not you're not you're not trying to find a best man for your wedding. And every question is asked specifically to get an outcome that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. like you know, well, like why is that important to you now though? Well, why is that? important to you now though right same question different answers mm-hmm. the first one was a downward inflection at the end concern tone emphasizing now they'll give me a time frame answer every time second way i said i emphasized the that and went up at the end so curious playful tone that tangible we just spoke about i dictate how you answer the question i dictate how you feel about it if I dictate all that just by doing those little changes, like, man, I'm playing 4D underwater wizard's chess, and you're playing checkers. Like, <laughs> you don't even realize I've, yeah. I'm, I've got you in checkmate within the first three minutes. You don't even know it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about sales is like, you know, I sort of say it's like playing chess against people, uh, but you'll never play chess with them again. So you can have, you can be a one-trick pony. I say the same stupid jokes in every call. Right. I have like a, I have like sort of a rotation of jokes depending on like to like break tension and depending on what they, you know, little quips and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, so you do the same stuff. All my calls sound identical. Super boring. <laughs> right. But it's just like the conversation goes one way. And it's because like I've just crafted it to go that way. And generally speaking, like humans are, we're very conditioned to, uh, we're very conditioned to, uh, respond to speech in very particular ways. Right. And so, um, we're just is how our language works, right? It's how Western language works. You know, if I go up at the end, you know, I'm asking a question. That's why people have weird modulations in their voice. Like people, like if you ever get people where like, like you can't tell what they're asking, it's because they're, they're, they're modulating, they have a weird modulation of their voice. Like, and I, I, I try to coach that out of people all the time. And I'm the guy who like tells you. You have bad breath, right? <laughs> so it's like, hey, your voice is weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, trying to fix that stuff where they have an accent you have to fix, you know what I mean? Uh, with, with certain things or you have to like put in like pre-frames for certain accents, like Eastern European accents. You know what I mean? So I, we create jokes around the beginning of it. You know what I mean? To like soften because to a Western ear, an Eastern European accent sounds so angry. You know what I mean? And so you've got to sort of like, you got to soften it. You know what I mean? If you come from like a Korean background, Koreans don't use their facial expressions and tonality very much, right? So like we have to teach them how to like, you're talking to Westerners, like this is different. You know what I mean? You, you've got to learn how Western, if you're trying to sell Westerners, you got to learn how Westerners, uh, uh, all the ways of which they take intent. And it's like facial expressions, body language, tonality, right? The word choice itself, they all play a role. And and so um, like, it's weird. You'll probably notice it now, but like, um. Like, I don't have much facial expression at all, right? Like, my face doesn't really move that much, but I have a highly dynamic voice. 
right? So, but the reason why I had to develop that is because I did phone sales. So you don't need facial expressions on phone sales, but I've got no wrinkles and I'm 40, right? So there's a, there's a win. Um, but like if I was doing face, a lot more face-to-face selling or Zoom selling back when I was learning how to sell, like I would have a much more expressive face and stuff like that because I did it over the phone. Like it's just all voice. It's a strange, it's interesting anyway. I find it interesting, but I'm a sales nerd. So there you go. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things you can always go deeper. You can always add more nuance. You can always add additional techniques to help you shape things. You know, because I think for me, in my own continued development in sales, it's not just about, like at first it was like building the self-confidence to be able to like take the uh, the quote unquote rejection, like the misfit, like this solution isn't a good fit for you. And then just like taking taking your stripes. It's like you just got to go through it a couple of times and crash and burn to then learn firsthand what not to do. Uh, but then, you know, shifting into continuing to add new techniques, new approaches, things like embracing scripts and question series. So that way you're not having to think about what question to ask next. You already know what the question is. So you can just be more tuned into listening to the response and making sure that you you have the right context for the conversation you're having. Um, and like a and role play said about assumptive language. Oh, to hope. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do some role play here before we, uh, before we wrap up. What do you want me to sell? Let's see. Why, why don't you sell me uh, a brand new cordless vacuum cleaner? Okay. Um, yeah, if you want. Like, how would how would you? And and assume that I'm coming to you and I'm like, my vacuum cleaner just broke. You're you're the person in the department store, and and it's like, hey, I'm looking for a vacuum cleaner. Fair enough. I, yeah, yeah. It's ran, <laughs> random. But fair enough. Um, uh, so we're like we're on a we're on a call, like, or we're just face to face, whatever. All right, and you've and yeah, you either come to me. However, yeah. you want to take it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey man, looks like you're looking for possibly you know get a new vacuum cleaner um how can i help yeah i've been using a vacuum cleaner and, and it finally died and so died. that could be true yeah that could be oh, true yeah. yeah why did it die yeah, what half my bedroom is still dusty still dusty what are you doing uh, it's there, just man? old old that, that could be trouble for sure <laughs> yeah it's just old uh okay well like walk me through like uh when you got that vacuum like why'd you get it I, I just knew that I needed, you know, I, I wanted clean carpets. I wanted less dust in the house. I have pets. And so I wanted to be able to pick up the dog hair, uh, you know, for my friends that have allergies so they can actually come visit me. Uh, okay. So what is about that one specifically that you got? Was it like a, have some sort of specific features that you liked? Like, what, like walk me through. What is it about that one? I mean, to be honest, it had a dog prints picture on the side of the box. Okay. Good at clean, is that how easy it is hair. to sell you? Just got to put a puppy in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I so. To to the pet yeah, I mean cuz I just I looked at the options and thought maybe this is the best one for what I need. Okay. Well, it sounds like that was perfect, man. I guess is there anything that you would change about I guess, you know, besides the fact that it's dead, but about that vacuum if you could, whether it be the features it had or kind of how it worked? So the things that I didn't like about it were it, I had to plug it into the wall for it to work. And so, you know, if I'm going around the house, I have to like go back, unplug it, replug it in in a new place and kind of like Okay attach myself to the wall in order to power it. That could be true. And so I know that I've heard about cordless vacuums, so I'm interested in that. But then, you know, also, uh, you know, just any anything I can do to make the process of vacuuming faster, because it's not something I enjoy doing, but it's something I know that I, I should be doing. Okay. And are you, is it your house? Like, do you own it? Do you rent it? Like? Yeah, it's my house. I own, I own it. Okay. And is it carpets everywhere? 
Or is it hardwood? It's carpets well? in the like the main living room and the bedrooms and stuff. And is it one story? Or you got the the bathrooms three? don't have carpet, but okay. Well, that would be story. weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be weird. Okay. And is it just you? Or are we looking to cover the whole family, dogs, kids? Like, what do we got? Yeah, so it's just it's me, and my wife. We got two two young kids. We got two dogs. Ah, how so old are the kids? Full house. Uh, five and two. Five and two. Oof, you're in the thick of it, my friend. We got to save you yeah. some time for sure. Okay, so walk me through. Um, you know, because it it's it, it it sounds like the other one was pretty good, but I guess, you know, what is it that you're like walk me through like an ideal criteria? Like if you can put together a vacuum or a little system for the house, like what would you really want mm-hmm. from that to make sure that it's a thing that can sustain you and the family and not be just a thing that you have to think about every day? Yeah, I mean, I would love for it to, you know, to actually pick up dirt and dog hair and pollen and things like that. Um, I've had vacuums in the past supposed to do well besides the stuff that a vacuum's supposed to do like if you could kind of you know if you could really think about it like what do you think would be a good uh a good system for the house like would you want something in every room or do you want to have to cart it around like you know something more portable or like what are you looking for yeah just something portable something that's easy to carry around the house okay um you know can you can just have it like it stored in a closet when i'm not using it okay so it's it's kind of out of the way uh but there when i need it and then uh would love to be able to just, you know, when I need to vacuum real fast before people come over, that it's it's ready to go and I can get it done quickly. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, okay, and 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 so have you have you considered, I guess, uh, you know, the the systems that you can put into the house? Like, have you do you like do you know about them? No, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. Ah, okay. Yeah. So what a lot of people do who are in a situation that have, you know, kind of a like multi-room house, which is pretty common, right? So what they can do to make things a little bit simpler is they can um, just have an outlet in each room. And then from there, you just have one thing and it actually sucks it up into a centralized location. I'm not sure if that would be right for you. Um, but do the dogs have access to the whole house or is it, are they kind of locked in an area? Yeah, they, they, there's no room that, that they're not allowed in the house. Essentially, they, they run it just like we do. Yeah. Okay, cool. And and there's allergies, is that right? Is it you mentioned some allergies? Yeah, not not for us, but we'll have friends that come over that have dog allergies. And so we'll either have to give them Benadryl or something to help. So oh, really? Really, uh, you're drugging your you're drugging your friends yeah. as they come in. <laughs> that could be trouble. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't want them sneezing and and you know, getting stuffy noses. So, so we'll right. make sure we have Benadryl so when they come over, they don't have to deal with their allergies. Okay. Okay. All right. So I guess like, you know, have you considered any of this sort of, I guess, or like, what would you guys do if you weren't able to, I guess, get a more comprehensive system in place and get a vacuum cleaner that can ensure that that you don't have to do that? Like what would actually, like, how would that affect you guys? It would, it would, I imagine just take longer. Like I'd be more resistant to want to actually vacuum because it would be more work for me. And so I'd do it less often and, um, wouldn't really fix the problem. You were, you're already working a lot, I assume. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? You know, provide for the family and whatnot. Yeah. To try and take that burden off the shoulders. Well, that makes sense, man. Uh, I think there's probably two ways that we could do it, and I think that what our vacuums would would do would probably probably work for you, especially the sort of more hyperlandrinic system range. Um, if 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 you'd like, I can walk you through how we do and what we do, and then from there I can, you know, sort of put together I think what would be a, a good long term solution for you and the family, so you don't got to worry about this stuff again. Would that help you out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sweet. I mean, vacuum's a weird one. But hey, there we go. We'll try and sell some vacuums. <laughs> I was trying to throw you a curveball. No, that was great. I think I did it all right. I'd probably sell more vacuums than most. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, it's like, you know, and again, like the, the different, like you take everyone through the process, but then depending on what you're selling is like how, how deeply you stick in areas. Like for that, I'm just, I'm only going to brush over consequence. Like I'm not going to really go through it because like, it's just going to seem a little bit, but I still want to do it. Do you know what I mean? I don't skip it, you know, but you're sort of going to spend a bit more time in problem awareness, right? Because like the solution is not epic. The consequence is not catastrophic, but the problem is annoying, right? So it's like, how much is the problem worth to solve? You know what I mean? And so, you know, and then I could present two different solutions, a very good vacuum or a system, you know, adds value to the home, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if I knew more about vacuums, um, I'd probably do a bit better, but you know, um, but you know, I, I think again, it's just like, you can sort of sell anything once you figure out how to like, ha- like the, the roadmap you're trying to put in your head, you know, like I got, like we got clients who sell water filtration and they're like, oh, like, oh, I'll just role play it for you. And they're always like, how the, how'd you do that? I was like, oh, it's just the same stuff, mate, over and over again. Right. I went into a, in Australia, they, they have like buyer's agents and seller's agents, right. For real estate agents, like they're separate and the buyer's agents are paid by the buyer. Right. So it's a different way of doing things. And I went in and did a training for them and then did a role play. And they were like, How did you do that? These guys are like 10 year, they've been in, they're like one of the biggest companies. And I was like, It's just, it's just, it's just the same stuff, guys. It's no different. Right. So they were like, How would you outbound dial lead that came from here? I was like, Well, this is how I'd do it. Hey, you'd be the prospect. You could be a tough one. I was like, I don't care. Right. And I did it. And they were like, Holy crap. And I was like, Yeah. Like, I'm just better at this than you guys are. But you can learn it. It's fine. Like it's, you know, it's like just because you're successful in your industry doesn't mean you're good at sales. You know what I mean? Sales is a very particular skill set. And so once you're good at sales, you know, um, like and being good at selling one thing doesn't mean you're good at sales. You know, the way that I kind of describe it is like, you know, if you wanted me to teach you how to, um, if you like, if you were wanted me to teach you how to go around a racetrack really quickly, it's like, would well, you want to learn how to go on the racetrack really quickly? Or do you want to learn how to drive well? Right? Because like, there's ways to teach a specific thing very effectively, but it doesn't translate into everything. So it's like, you can, but you can do a little bit of both. Do you know what I mean? You can start off with the specific and then move up, but you might develop a lot of bad habits by doing the shortcut method. You know what I mean? And so, but there's pros and cons to both, right? Like if you're like, hey, this is the only thing I'm ever going to sell. It's like, well, maybe it's not worth going down the rabbit hole. You know, maybe just become a savage at selling that, but it's probably not going to translate. So if you ever want to sell anything else, you're going to start again. You know, and so, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a choice, really. So I sort of went down the, the sales rabbit hole pretty deep. Um, I really enjoy it. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, you're very good at it. You, you're very practiced, obviously. Um, so, so I know you guys have a lot of resources at different investment levels for, for people that want to either learn sales better themselves or, you know, work with you. Uh, what's, what's the yeah. best place for people to go to learn more about, uh, you know, how you work with people, how you train up sales and, and things like that? Yeah, for sure, man. So they can just go to seventhlevelhq.com. It's probably a good way. Um, if they're on Instagram, I'm real Matt Ryder. You can hit me up. I probably won't reply, but you can try that too. <laughs> um uh, i just i don't i don't check instagram i don't i have social media on my phone so i don't check i'm pretty bad at checking it um but yeah so um yeah if you go to seven level hq you can look at there's a free course on there as well there's a free like tonality training course go on there get a free course uh there's also like a thing called the black book bundle it's like 27 bucks it's like another course we have we have, we have stuff ranging from free to like seven figures 
and like everything in between. Um, like it's it's a pretty wide ranging group of products, but it's all just variations or like graded versions of the same thing, right? You know what I mean? So it's all NEPQ, it's all the system, but it's like the system has a lot of components. And so it's like we can teach you a specific part of the component. You know what I mean? And that might be the Black Book Bundle. We teach you a specific part of it or the tonality course or an object. We have an objection handling course. It's 50 bucks a week. You know what I mean? It's got all kinds of stuff like that and role plays and stuff like that. But it's like it's a specific part. So you want us to teach you the whole thing. It just takes more time. It's more uh, resources for us. It costs more money. You know? That's how it works. That's, uh, that's, that's how the world goes around, right? So For sure. So I'll definitely link the, both those things in the show notes. So if yeah. you're listening and you want to check it out, you can just click over and over. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much for your time, for the role-playing at the end. That was a fun bonus for me. I was like, let me let me experience it in action. So that was really <laughs> yeah. great. And uh, yeah, just thanks again for, for everything that you shared. No worries. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. So my number one takeaway from my conversation with Matt, other than the role-playing at the end, which was really uh helpful for me to really not just visualize the things that he was talking about but actually experience it and experience kind of the tactics and the strategy we discussed uh was the assumptive language thing you know it's so easy to just assume that oh you're on this call with me and so these things must be true and and that's something i've definitely been guilty of doing in the past and, and something that i've done on sales conversations where i assume something is true without actually asking it as a question and allowing the person I'm speaking to, to speak into it. And so that's something I'm going to be mindful of and something I definitely think you should be mindful of as well. Again, if you want to see uh, all the resources they have at 7th Level, you can go to 7thlevelhq.com. You can connect with Matt on Instagram. Those are both linked below in the show notes. And I definitely take advantage of the free resources and the low-cost resources they have to level up your sales game. Well, thanks for sticking around for another episode of the Honest Marketing Podcast. And until next time, be honest. (laughs) 